This is exactly right. Podcast, podcast, podcast. <laughs> Three times fast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. There you go. Hi, this is my favorite murder. <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. What did? Me talking? Hi, this is. Hey. This is my favorite murder. Starring Georgia Stark. <laughs> Karen Kilgariff, a.k.a. Kill Hard. Kill Hard. <laughs> one of the lamest things we've done so far. Give ourselves a nickname. Did you see someone in the Facebook group made a, um, a photo of the Die Hard poster and put your face on one guy and my face on another guy? I and just did, put Kill I Hard. Did see that. I did see that. It's turning into like a... Um, ego navel gazing kind of like did you see the picture where we the thing we talked about about ourselves got made into a thing about ourselves i know but people like it they like to play along with us we wouldn't talk about it if they weren't doing it it's fun times and there's and it's just there's just thousands of them it's the best we're fueled by their is is it projected narcissism onto us no, that's our narcissist. Okay. Let's talk about how last week we talked about <laughs> judges. And their misogyny, built-in misogyny and sexism. Right. That, that I think at one point I actually said, it's not happening as much these days. Right. And I think we conjured, speaking of narcissism, yeah. I think we conjured. <laughs> I think we're the center of the universe. I think we're the center of the universe about this new fucking huge controversial thing about this dick lick Brock Turner who like cool he got he he got convicted of three counts of sexual aggravated sexual assault i'm not even gonna say like clearly he was guilty he got he he was is guilty he is guilty he was unanimously uh voted guilty by by a jury jury of his peers right and yet and yet the old judge said hey let's not fuck up his great swimming career right and and said six months in county and then his dad had the nerve to say like well it was 20 minutes of his life is he gonna get you know what his dad said so well the brilliant thing and everyone's seen this like we're basically recapping what's been happening on social media but the victim of this stood up in court and read this letter to him that is one of not not just moving and amazing as a first person account at the clarity in it yeah and the i'll let you know what this what's actually happening and not we're not just going to hear from these lawyers i'll fucking tell you right myself. and it's not just like how much you hurt me it's like here are the repercussions of your actions and decisions whether or not you admit to them we right. all know you did because there's the proof you can pretend you didn't do it like a fucking psycho all you want yeah it's a, it's well he's not even conclusion. pretending he didn't do it he's saying that it wasn't what people thought it was right and he probably believes that well he needs to believe it because when the wall when the wall finally comes down that he's like i'm a rapist yeah well then what happens then? yeah and i'm sure everything in his life has been built around you get whatever you want little baby brock yeah and then i you know some of his friends there's a band called what's it called good english let's not even talk about it well the thing is like i I just don't see a time in my life where i would defend a friend of mine and i'm thinking of multiple friends who are good people would say no he it wasn't rape right 
I wouldn't ever say that. I would Especially say she's a woman. Yeah. And that girl is a, well, the girl in the yeah. band is a woman. I would say I'm really surprised. We would have never thought that this guy was capable of that, but I would never say that it's not true. And it's, yes. and she's full of shit. I Especially after a jury right. unanimously voted him guilty you can of see, rape. You can see the evidence. So we were just going to look it up to talk about it. And I found this, this article in the cut that the judge, this piece of shit judge, Aaron Persky, 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 um, who's like, thankfully getting a lot of shit and will probably be disbarred. There's an article published, Tracy Kaplan writes that this isn't the first controversial sexual assault case the judge has presided over. So here's the fucking story. In 2007, a 17-year-old girl alleged that she was gang raped by at least nine members of the De Anza college basketball team at a house party. While she was severely intoxicated, three soccer players discovered the rape in progress, broke it up. Thank fucking God for some people. And they, they said they discovered her unconscious and covered in vomit and, call, and called it clearly non-consensual. Um, District Attorney Dolores Carr ultimately decided not to move forward with the case, which was met with criticism. Um, the, in 2011, the case was brought to civil trial and the victim sued for $7.5 million in damages. The judge, Persky, presided. He ruled before lunch that Nof can show the jury seven photos of the women whom the court is calling Jane Doe partying about a year or so after the alleged gang rape. This shows she was partying afterwards and they could show photos. And the photo, she is scantily clad. She's scantily clad. I'm sorry. So what? Yeah. So what? They said that the, the, the photos are a direct contradiction, quote, of the plaintiff claims that she is socially isolated and socially reticent. But, right. but that doesn't, and especially, not especially, but photos post, post rape. Right. She's fucking, it doesn't matter what she does. She could be, she could be spiraling out of control. Yeah. She could be doing anything. Who the fuck or knows? Or she could be a slut. It doesn't fucking it matter. It doesn't matter. And, and here, here's the other thing. Because we were talking about this at work today. Uh, the bottom line is this. You know in your gut, you know what feels right and you know what feels wrong. And if you are so narcissistic and selfish that you're going to take what you want no matter, either either you don't have any feeling toward how you affect other people or you don't care, yeah. then you, but ultimately that's your truth that you have to live in and sit in. Yeah. And if you say have to be on drugs or drunk so that you have to ignore those, whatever. But at the, at the end of the day, you cannot parse out and argue things like this when, the, when what we're talking about is basic human decency. And I know that for a lot of people, I think there's a lot of gray area with rape that people get that people have a hard time dealing with but the so even if this chick had ever fucked any of these nine girl nine guys it's they still it's still rape if she's intoxicated and can't give consent like it's such a it's it's to that extreme that even if she fucked these guys well yeah because she if she had fucked them that would have been her choice right that's what the in that letter one of my favorite parts of the of Brock Turner's mm -hmm. victim she said how can I be promiscuous if I did not choose to do it right. if I wasn't even awake how is that promiscuous yeah. that's I'm unconscious yeah and that's the pro that's the part that people want to argue they want they want to deflect away from the truth of the actual action which is you took a person who was not there and fucked their body right that's disgusting Right. you have a problem that girl doesn't have a problem no. except for the fact that you decided to do that to her i mean it's just so ins like i think about 
people I've dated and been with, and the, the, none of them would want to fuck an unconscious body. No, that that's means there's predatory. something wrong with you. There's, that's predatory. It's sociopathic. And, and I don't bizarre. care how drunk you... I, I get drunk and I I do stupid things, but they're not out of character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, no, a lot, a lot of people do. There's a whole th- aspect to this that I think they can't talk about, which is the way she tells that story. She is blackout. She she goes from dancing and feeling kind of drunk mm-hmm. to being to waking up behind a dumpster. I think there's a roofie element that they can't talk about. Right. That's a theory that I have. That maybe the 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 uh, the defendant kind of got that thrown out or something. Well, that they couldn't prove it or it had already right. gone through her body so that they can't include it. That would be prejudicial. Right. So they can't. She, and she's probably not even going to go there because it's like at the end of the day, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Because even if I drink 11 beers in a row, that doesn't mean I want you to rape me. Totally. Don't be a fucking lunatic. <sighs> and it's not. And also, you, the if the woman is saying that that is her truth, it's not up to you. Yeah. It's not your final choice. Totally. Random guy totally. Or, or rapist guy. Or to defend that that's not her truth anymore. You, you can't. Don't, you don't do that. Just fuck off. I know. Not you, Georgia. Not you. <laughs> it makes me so mad. I know. Because it's just so... It's, it's when people try to parse out things like this of like, is she's half responsible if she was drunk? Right. Fuck you. Yeah. These are, I mean, there was a girl that did an amazing tweet today that said, these people who are trying to blame this victim's rape on her drunkenness are the same ones that threw temper tantrums when U2's album was downloaded without their consent on their computer. <laughs> it's the same. It's that thing of like, how dare you, yeah. if this happened to you, you would never be saying it. I saw things. a meme that said, well, she was drunk. What did you expect? What did she expect? And the answer was a fucking hangover. Yeah. You didn't expect to get raped. You expected a hangover. Yeah. The, the idea that that's, that should be part of the equation and too bad for you yeah. is insanity. That's why they, that's why we talk about it. And the people culture. who like that fucking judge was a uh, lacrosse player. At, totally. he, he was a lacrosse player at Stanford. What are you going to do with swimming? How on earth do you think? Why? <laughs> what, did she, what about this girl? Well, this, that's just like, that's boys club bullshit. That's, that's what that is. Swimming. It's going to ruin. It's like saying someone's life is more important than another. Totally. I mean, this goes back to everything we talk about so it's just it's another frustration but but here's what i will say i really do love if you get down into the if you read a comment section you're always going to be disappointed in humanity but ashley bamfield i think her name is a cnn anchor read she had a whole show did you see that no but she read the letter on her show it took 40 minutes and People were tweeting about it the whole time. And it was all these people that were like journalists. It's all these, you know, those blue dot people on Twitter Mm -hmm. that were like, this is incredible. This is unbelievable television journalism. There were people that worked on the show that were saying it is uncomfortably silent in this studio right now. Everyone was just like, because that letter, that's the other thing I was going to say. Not only is it, is it an amazing, clear, well-spoken, like Mm -hmm. here's actually my side. If you want to hear it, it's brilliantly written. It's incredibly written. And I love the fact that she was like, there needs, it's not just something you read and you need to see the emotional, uh, the, the person reading it, the face. And even if it's not the real one of what happened, you know, hearing the inflections and, and hearing a woman read that, I think is really important too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I think that at the end of the day, when it, when everything kind of like the dust settles, um, it's going to be an incredibly important piece of action that a woman took for herself. That, I agree. That yeah. is, that's, 
precedent setting. It's amazing. Well, it's, I mean, we were also talking last week about um, victim statement, victim impact statements, including the family, you know, finally being able to read um, their impact statement to their, the murder of their child and, and how, and, and forgiving them and how insane that must feel. Did you see that someone's dad jumped across the table and attack and during his victim statement to the serial killer and fucking attacked him and had to be like restrained and at the grim sleeper. No, some other one. Yeah. Um, doesn't surprise me. I mean, good for him. I hope the cops like waited a beat before they grabbed him. Is that terrible? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how do you control, you know, no, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Heavy, heavy, this duty, heavy Heavy duty. Um, but still, I don't know. I like it. I like it. You guys, be be witnesses. You know, and also, you know what? Watch your fucking drink. If you're gonna drink, you have to have one friend who's a little bit smarter and more down to earth than you, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'm speaking as a 20 year old Karen Kilgariff who would never paid attention to anything. But also, keep your hand over your drink. D- drink out of bottles. Don't make it easy for people i mean like it's never your fault it's never but at the same time just be please be careful it's a lot it's a fucking ton this is a lot this is a heavy one this is and also we're telling people what to do who are probably all our age (laughs) they're like at home looking at their baby like you guys move it along (laughs) we got this part covered move it along to the murder part (laughs) that's what they're hoping for yeah we hear you we get it There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more june's journey is a mobile mystery game that follows june parker a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder this is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as june herself 
Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Are you first or am I, I first? I think I'm first this week. All right. So, um, Karen? Well, today, hi, Georgia. Hi. It's the part for the murder. Skippers. <laughs> um this today is June sixth. Seventh. Today's June seventh. My birthday's I said. tomorrow. Oh girl. It's George's birthday tomorrow, everybody. You Tell know, her happy birthday on Facebook. Thank you. You know I started cross stitching you as a, a belated birthday present because I fuck you was your birthday while we were recording and I didn't even know. It was my secret. You're such a dick. Uh <laughs> I started stitching you, cross-stitching you a Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered. <gasps> but I realized halfway through, I got Stay Sexy, and I realized I'm a terrible cross-stitcher. <laughs> and I, looks, now I want it even more. It looks like shit, and I showed it to Vince, and I'm like, does this look terrible? Because you know, you're, you can be really <laughs> self-critical. And he's like, I just think you need a little more practice. Like, he Aww. very sweetly said, that looks terrible. <laughs> I want it so bad. I'll show it to you. It looks insane. Put it on a pillow. Okay. I, I stitched it while I watched a murder show. Oh, they, now I have to have it. It's like a child's Christmas art project. It's literally like a child's <laughs> art project. <laughs> Love it. Um, so <laughs> because it's June 7th, yeah. uh, it's a special holiday. Three years ago on this day, uh, the Night Stalker, Richard M- Ramirez, died in prison. Oh, shit. Was it only three years ago? Um, 2013. God, it seems like, yeah. June 7th, 2013, okay. which is three years ago, right? Wow, yeah. I'm, the math is right. Um, he died, uh, his liver basically shut down. He had a couple bad things going on. He had, bl- like, blood cancer and something else. But before he died, he turned bright green. They said, <gasps> like, a highlighter pen. Oh, my God. Like, he looked crazy. What is that? Your liver just can't function? It's your liver. Because he was a crazy drug addict. He was, like, he was bad, bad drugs. So, yeah, he was basically just shut, kind of shutting down altogether. So, I saw that in, in, um, there was an article about that in the news somewhere so I was like you know what that's the one my friend Adrian when we very first started this I told the story about it and she was like gotta be Night Stalker uh, so I was like it's finally time to tell the story of Richard Ramirez the Night Stalker give it to me not to be confused with the original Night Stalker Iran's the East Area Rapist slash the Golden State Killer Yeah, who could still be out there um, this is Richard Ramirez who uh, in the basically in the summer or I guess like uh, early spring of 1985 started a insanity uh, berserker killing and molesting and raping spree um, that started in Southern California went up to the San Francisco area came on back down and then ends in my it's my favorite ending Mm -hmm. uh, to one of these stories it's the best and I remember seeing it on the news when they caught him it was the people of Boyle Heights rose up, girl. Oh shit! Yeah, so I'll I'll just try to do this um, encapsulate. So he was um, born in 1960 in El Paso, Texas, the youngest of seven children. Um, it, 
in the basically the barrio is what I don't is that a politically correct way to say it? I would if if yes. It's a bad part of town in El Paso. Yeah, his parents were his his father was um, a railway worker, but he was illegal, so I, he probably didn't make great money. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so uh, he also early on got hit in the head with a swing Man. and got knocked out for uh, a while. I think they said like an hour. If your kid gets hit in the head, send him back. Uh, and then there was an, ar- an a thing I was looking at that was like um, Ted Bundy, the Green River Killer, Richard Ramirez, John Wayne Gacy, um, Fred West, who's that British lunatic who like killed, mm-hmm. raped all those girls, k- killed his own children. Um, all had head injuries as children. Dude. So, you know, keep your eye out. You know who else did? Who? Karen Kilgariff. <gasps> Shut up. Uh-huh. What I, happened? My mom tripped over my high chair when I was like six months old. I had stitches in the front of my head. Smash. Um, and then later on, I don't think this is, a tr- this was my own private pain, but during swimming lessons, I tried to do a front forward somersault jump off the side of the pool and just smacked my head. Holy super shit. Super hard. And I just, Nobody saw it, and so I just held the side of the pool and kind of like quietly cried to myself yeah. until I felt better, and then kept on swimming oh because swimming above all, right? When you're a kid, <laughs> totally. You probably just had a concussion. <laughs> I probably did. Holy shit! I probably did. Remember Anyhow. how we couldn't remember our concussions one episode? <laughs> <laughs> There's one of them. There it is. Uh, okay, so here's the bad part. Ricky being the youngest was kind of like, he was basically a juvenile delinquent, robbed a bunch of shit, did stuff, got sent to juvie. Um, and his older cousin, cousin, uh oh, his old, older cousin Mike came back from Vietnam and he had been a Green Beret in Vietnam. And it's as bad as you think. Mike, uh, Ricky f- hung around with Mike and Mike was like, here's all the shit I did to women in Vietnam. Oh, here's no. what we did to the enemy. Here's this, here's that. Just filling his head with all this terrible shit. Um, showed him pictures, no. and mutilations and torture. Um, horrible, like Polaroid pictures. And, uh, and Mike was married. Um, and the two of them would hang out, uh, Ricky and Mike would hang out and smoke pot, talk about Satan worship. Um, And Mike's wife finally was like, I don't want you hanging out with him anymore and you guys just sit around or whatever. Well, Mike went ahead and shot and killed his wife in front of Richard Ramirez. How old was Richard at this point? He was a teenager. I believe Mm -hmm. he was 15. I don't... Holy shit. I don't have the exact age written down. He was a teenager. Um... They say that the trauma from that is basically fueled much of his the rest of his life. And I'm sure by that time he was so desensitized to murder and torture and that even like without that happening, I feel like he would have yeah. been fucked. He was, yeah, he was definitely already kind of a s- sad case. Yeah. And then that was like, imagine that level of trauma that's just insane. seeing someone shot. They, they said that he had blood on him. From, that's how shit. close he was. So bad news. He was also inspired by the Hillside Stranglers. Um, It's weird to feel sympathy for him. You know what I mean? Like, well, because, because, yeah, because if you don't hit your head and you don't have a fucked up cousin named Mike, um, could Richard Ramirez have just been a guy that then went on to live in El Paso and work at a mattress store? Totally. Did he? Because 
I don't know. Stuff like that is like, after what, if you become, I mean, obviously we've talked about this a ton. It's, it's a mental disorder. You can't just kill people. It's a psychopathy or whatever, but it, it's sad to think that he had to start his life like that. It's, it's awful. Um, uh, right now, last podcast on the left is doing a hillside strangler series and it's awesome. I love it. And the, uh, the lead detective on the Hillside Strangler. So, so Richard Ramirez loved hearing about the Hillside Stranglers. He ended up moving to LA after that happened and like kind of bumming around there. So when the Hillside Stranglers cases, um, he had heard about them. I don't know if he was living in LA while it was happening or whatever, but he was very inspired and he really liked that story. He got really fascinated by it. And it turned out that, um, a detective named Frank Salerno was the lead detective on the Hillside Stranglers case. Mm -hmm. And then he also was the lead detective on the Night Stalker case. And Frank Salerno said that the experience he had going through the Hillside Strangler and all the mistakes that he made and they all made and that he learned from is the reason that they were able to um, catch the Night Stalker as quickly as they did. It it didn't go on for years and years and years. Because he learned so much from being on that other huge high-profile case. Um, So anyway, it basically starts um, February 25th, 1985. A six-year-old Montebello girl is taken from a bus bench near school while waiting for her older sister. She was carried away in a zippered garment bag, sexually assaulted, and dropped off in Silver Lake. What? So this is one of his earliest crimes. Holy shit. Um, Then a month later, March 11th, a nine-year-old Monterey Park boy is kidnapped from his home at night, sexually assaulted, left in Elysian Park near Silver Lake. Well, we're like five minutes from those places. That's right. And this is the nightmare uh, sauce of someone comes into your house and takes a child totally it's beyond fucked up can we comment on how weird it is that it that he doesn't discriminate sex with sex right people and i mean that's a that's a one of the things is they had a very hard time establishing an mo with him because it was all ages all sexes yeah all um races like there was no pattern there was no connection so maybe they didn't put it all together as one person right exactly uh march 17th dale uh okazaki 34 is killed and her roommate Maria Hernandez is wounded in an attack in their Rosemead condominium and two miles uh, from that apartment Sialian Yu uh, 30 of Monterey Park is pulled from her car near her home and shot she dies the next day Jesus I mean you think that like in your car you're good yeah no well lock your goddamn door lock your fucking door to quit showing off (laughs) <laughs> um, sorry, it's victim blooming. Um, March 20th, an Eagle Rock girl is kidnapped and sexually molested by a man who breaks into her family's home at Dude. night again. So this is, he's getting that taste for, you know, he puts on all black and he goes fucking sneaking around. And what they say is a lot of these, I mean, this was 1985, mm-hmm. such an innocent time. People left their doors ajar at night. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, bad news. So Holy he was shit. basically going around trying doors. Jesus. Um, March 27th, Vincent Zazara, 64, is a retired investment counselor, and he's beaten to death, and his wife Maxine, who is 44, is stabbed to death by an attacker who enters their ranch-style Whittier home through an open door. Oh, shit. God damn it. I always try to scroll on my computer by touching the thing, and it zips me back up to the top. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, we'll edit that part out. And we're back in. <laughs> uh, open door. Their bodies are found by a business acquaintance. Oh, I actually, I got two different stories on this. I got a business acquaintance. This is an LA Times article. Mm -hmm. But actually, there's another article that I read that their son found them. No. Um, I wonder what their relationship was like. He was 20 years older than her? He was 20 years older. I bet he had money. If they lived in Whittier, Whittier is like real pristine. Tony. It's a bunch of white Christians yeah. kind of living out in the valley. That's where Nixon went to college. I bet they were a fun couple. I bet they were fun. I bet they were fun times. Yeah. Um, but here's the gross part that we'll have to uncomfortably transition into. He <laughs> mutilated her body. She had a T-shape carved into her breast. And, ready? No. This one's bad. No. He gouged out her eyes and took them with him. No! Uh-huh. Boobies and eyes. I mean, problems. What we're, what we're saying is problems. Leave the boobies and the eyes alone please please no matter what the devil tells you to do I mean, he's he's joking <laughs> he was like being facetious and you took it seriously you fucking idiot the devil's joking you mean <laughs> is that what you're saying uh-huh <laughs> remember that the devil has a very wry sense of humor <laughs> and so sometimes he's just being sarcastic he's basically george burns just um okay, sorry go on the autopsy uh, revealed that those mutilations were post-mortem. Oh, good. That's the good news. Thank God. I should have. I should have. I buried the lead on that one. I figured because I just couldn't handle it. Yeah, it's it's too much. Um, he. This was a house where he left footprints in the flower beds, and the police photographed them and made a cast. Um, and that was the only evidence that they had at the time. And they found bullets at the scene matched those to previous attacks, and that's when the police started putting together they have a serial killer that there's someone that's you know going around doing some wow. shit um yeah this one says that vincent and maxine's bodies were discovered in their whittier home by their son peter Dude. i hate that because like what I, the thing that i was reading seemed very reliable and then i was starting to get the more you read because there's so much about yeah. the night stalker um there's there's conflicting reports Can you, oh god i just picture the eyeballless mom i mean like it's bad enough, but then it's, that's nightmare. Like, yeah, that's special horror movie. That's like, that's like the third scare in the horror movie where it's like the worst one. Totally. Not having eyes is bad. Totally. News. Totally. Okay. Mabel Bell on May 29th. So then, uh, let's see. That was so later that month. This was like two weeks later. Mabel Bell, age 84. Oh, honey. And her invalid sister, Florence Lang, age 81. Ladies. Are beaten in their Monrovia home. Uh, and they live in a house uh, down a, a long, narrow, winding road. Um, and they're found four days later by a gardener. Oh. And they weren't dead. But uh, Mabel died uh, they weren't dead four days later. Mm -mm. Oh, maybe, sorry. Maybe Florence was dead, but Mabel was still alive. No, but she only lived two more months. It's this is rough because he this was this is why this guy was so like frightening. He didn't give a fuck. I mean, he raped old women. He raped children. He was just, uh, you know, he was it's on one crazy. Like, yeah, right off the bat just to be berserk. Yeah. June 27th, Patty Elaine Higgins, who was 32, uh, had her throat slashed in her Arcadia home. Um, and also, for people that don't know the Los Angeles area, all these areas are just low-key, suburban, they're low outlying key, and they're not cities. They're not, like, close. It's not like... These are all random little cities yeah. that are not, like, connected in any way. Right. 
which They're, is it's so just weird. Kind of all around the San Gabriel Valley, right? Which is surprising that they were able to connect them because it sounds like it'd be all different districts. Well, they kept finding this Avia shoe print in places. Oh. That was one of the things. A that what? It's Avia. You know that brand? Yeah, no. Um, A V I A. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of. It looks kind of Reeboky. Like yeah. the, the the symbol is partial Reebok, but extra lines. Okay. So are people freaking out at this point? Like, does everyone know about it? Oh, yeah. We heard about it. You remember it? I was 15. Holy shit. Oh, dude. He, okay, this was crazy because it was like he was on tour. Like, it was like a nightmare because you heard about it down in LA or whatever. And you're like, oh, those poor people. Yeah. Then he popped up to the Bay Area. People were losing their shit. It was crazy. Oh, my God. It was like. It was basically kind of like watching a storm come where you're just like, and it truly was that thing of like, we could be next. Yeah. It was nuts. Okay. So, um, uh, it was only like four days later, two miles away from the Higgins home, Mm -hmm. Mary Louise Cannon, who was 77, Mm. um, who had already fought off two bouts of cancer was murdered. Her throat was slashed. That was in Arcadia. Ju- July 7th, Joyce Nelson, who was 61, was beaten to death in Monterey Park. Um, and July 11th, uh, they have a mo- uh, Monterey Park has a neighborhood watch meeting and 600 people go to it because be- people are freaking out. Yeah. They're just like, um, but they the police are like, we're sorry, we don't have a suspect. So they have these tiny pieces of evidence, but no suspect at all. Um, on July 20th, Chaina Rong Kavanath, who is 32 years old, is slain in his Sun Valley home, and his wife is beaten and raped, and their eight-year-old son is beaten, and they he steals $30,000 in jewels and cash from the house. Holy shit. Um, what are you doing in Sun Valley? I know, right? <sighs> Hiding your shit. Yeah. You'd have to. Um but a witness sees the suspect flee in a maroon-colored Pontiac um, Grand Prix Yay. that has a damaged right front fender. Fuck yeah. So now they have at least, they have that. Um, so then on July 20th, uh, Max Needing, who was 68, and his wife, Leela Ellen, who was 66, were shot to death in Glendale. That's right, Max! It's so close to here. Um August 6th, Christopher Peterson is 38. His wife, Virginia, is 27. And they're both shot in the head in their Northridge home and survive. Yay. Survive. It's just so wild and hopeful that you can survive a fucking head shooting. I know. It happens in the show I survived all the time. Fuck. And it's people in a very normal voice being like, I heard this loud noise and my head hurt really bad. You're just like, how are you telling me this story? Yeah. Sorry, it's like I make money off of I Survived. I'm really not. I'm not <laughs> sponsored, I swear to God. Um, you should be. <laughs> I actually should be. So um, on August 8th, my sister's birthday, Elias Abawath, 35, is shot to death in his Diamond Bar home, which is fancy, mm-hmm. right? Isn't Diamond Bar where they have all the horses? Okay. It's <laughs> I've never been there. I've lived here my whole life, and I'm just in like Sun Valley. Oh, you know what it is? No mm-hmm. Jews allowed in Diamond Bar. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> uh, okay, so he, he's 35. That's so yeah, young. Yeah. He's shot to death. His wife is beaten. His two children, ages three and three months, not harmed. Oh, good. Thank God. So later in the day, um, they say that they have linked, that this attack on the Abawaths 
is the final link that they are all the same su- suspect from all of these attacks. <gasps> and this is the first public revelation that there's a, sal- a serial killer loose in Southern California. That took that many bodies. Yeah. And also because it was so random, like yeah. Sun Valley and Diamond Bar are two very different cities. Totally. Um, so August 10th, uh, reports of crimes made by citizens to LAPD communications are up 15%. Everyone's on edge. They're freaking out. Yeah. So people are calling in. There's increased um, uh, sales at gun shops, yeah. of course. Everyone's freaking out. I would out. be staying in a hotel forever. Right? Indefinitely. So then the uh, Board of Supervisors offers a $10,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the Knights. more than that, bro. (laughs) But you know what? You know what? Up that shit. Let's get that money up there. So um, now that they they link back to the the shooting of Cylon Yu in Monterey Park from March 17th, -hmm. they're like, it's this one too. (gasps) The gun, the ballistics... um, uh, evidence that they have links that Mm -hmm. in um then on august 17th um a man named peter pan uh, who was 66 yeah was shot and killed in his bed in his san francisco home and his wife barbara who's 64 is shot and beaten but she survives her name wendy (laughs) was that the most insensitive thing i've ever said no no we have to do it okay uh and their dog was also the nanny um, that's the part I love in Peter Pan where it's like you're the, so the dog takes care of the children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he locks them out and they go missing. <laughs> right. They all do drugs and fly off the roof. Yeah. Good. Good job, dad. Um, so August 22nd, uh, they, they the people, uh, the cops in San Francisco announced that the slaying of Peter Pan and his wife is the night soccer. And that's when the uh, NorCal goes, Ape shit. Yeah. I I still remember. I can't remember. Like, I just remember watching it on the news with my family. We, we watch so much news every night. Yeah. News was a nightly occurrence. Yeah. You know how we all avoid it now? No. That's not what you did. You watched it as a family and, and went through it. But like, I remember that like Diane Feinstein was on, they were making like official announcements. It was all breaking news. It was like, it was a big deal. Remember when news was like from six to seven and then there was like going to be a 10 to 11 and that was it for news. It wasn't like how it is now. Right. Yeah. That was, we had to watch it then. Like my parents would turn off you know, something we wanted to watch and they'd be like, no, 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 it's time for the news. Right. Like entertainment tonight yes. is what we'd want to watch. Yes. And they'd be like, it's time for the news. Cause you wouldn't get it otherwise. Like right after Jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, sorry, I lost my spot. They, Oh, so they say that the evidence that they have that's linking it are the ballistics. Also, uh, messages that he scrawled on the walls Mm-mm. and, um, and a distinctive but undisclosed piece of evidence that the killer left behind in the homes of his victims. Um, but then Diane, San Francisco at the time, San Francisco Mayor Diane Feinstein gets on the news offering a $10,000 reward for any information uh, for the capture of the Night Stalker. Um, unfortunately, she gives away that that distinctive piece of proof they have is his shoe print. And so that night Richard Ramirez walks onto the Golden Gate Bridge and throws his shoes over yeah so no longer is that going to be a piece of evidence that helps anything yeah holy shit um and I bet then, everyone who had those shoes did that, though. <laughs> Just like 49 guys on the Golden Gate Bridge. They're like, oh, shit. 
49 peeping toms that yeah. are like, why did I ever buy Avias? <laughs> um, all right. So August 25th, a man named Bill Carnes, who was 27, is critically injured by being shot in the head while sleeping in his Mission Viejo home. So now the Night oh. Stalker's back down. He's in Orange County now. Yeah. Is that where Mission Viejo is? Yeah, Mission Viejo is Orange County. And his 29 fiance, hey, sorry, his 29-year-old fiance, uh, I believe her name was Inez. I don't, I, my saved document and my original document are both on here. And some has some information and some has other. Here we go. Um, fuck. So Bill Carnes' fiance Inez is raped, but as uh, the Night Stalker runs out of the house and gets into the stolen car that he has stolen from San Francisco down to back down to Orange County, she sees him uh, leave in an, a 1976 orange Toyota station wagon. Why are you getting an orange car, Night Stalker? Not smart. Yeah, how about black, brown? Go for your brown because it's the 80s probably (laughs) and you'd blend in right brown or like a kind of a shimmery blue totally was every single car on the road yeah um so she sees that as she like crawled up to the window and saw that and so was able to tell the police that that's the car that the guy had so um now at Los Angeles City Council's offering a $25,000 reward. Yeah. yeah, you are. And then Governor Duke Majin announces the state is going to add ten grand onto that. Yeah, that's more like it. So when they find the stolen Toyota, they pick up, there's a new laser examining device that they use, and they pick up a single fingerprint on the rear view mirror. Amazing. He, he took off his gloves, readjusted that mirror, and they found one fingerprint in the whole car. Checking to see if he had anything in his teeth. And he fucking... And he... You know what he had in his teeth? What? The most rotten teeth of all time. Really? Yeah. He had gross His teeth. mouth was filled with them. Oh, you've never seen his teeth? No. He never had any dental work done his entire life. And all he ever ate was candy and drank <gasps> Coke. The first time he ever went to the dentist was when he was in jail. Oh, the tr- just trash mouth. Crazy. The mouth on this guy is nutso. Ugh. It's horrifying. And a lot of his suspects... They, the um, thing all the women who were attacked, who lived, said was the worst breath I've ever smelled. What a weird, yeah. 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 Insult to injury. I mean, just make it as upsetting as it possibly can be. Um, So uh, they use that fingerprint and they find in the computer system that that was very new. Mm -hmm. It had like just gone online. that there was a guy who had like very uh, I think misdemeanors like like uh, burglary shit named Richard Ramirez. Mm-hmm. So they got their guy. So they put out an all points bulletin for the arrest of Richard Ramirez. Um, and they have the Have you ever seen the um, the picture that the police sketch artist drew of him? Yes, it looks just like him. Right. Yes, but it's also one of the scariest things ever. I'm looking it up right now. Go on. Yeah. Um, so they put out, um, there's the picture that the, that the cop drew, but then they have a mugshot of him in real life. And that goes on the front page of all the papers in, in Los Angeles. Um, so meanwhile, Ramirez has no idea that that's happened because he was in Phoenix visiting his brother 
And so the cops stake out the bus station because they think he's going to try to leave town now that his picture went up. He's and already we'll stake, gone. Stake out the bus station. He was already gone. He was coming back. <gasps> he passed the cops in the bus station. No. And just kept it cool and walked out of the bus station downtown, walked into Boyle Heights, went over to a liquor store, walked up. There was a newspaper um, you know, stand thing mm-hmm. right on the outside. He picks up the newspaper and sees the picture of himself on the front of the newspaper. Inside the store, a woman looks and starts yelling, El Maton, El Maton, which in Spanish, I'm giving that a French accent because I took French in high school. In Spanish, I guess that means the bully. Uh, and he hears that and he starts running. Um, so oh God, oh this, I, this I love so much. Okay, He starts running. So he goes over to he runs and he tries to carjack a woman so he runs up he punches her in the stomach and he tries to pull her out of the car the the husband of this woman hears this going on grabs a pipe fuck yeah dude runs out the guy richard ramirez is in the car he hits him over the head fuck yeah and so ramirez runs out of that car and starts running um, a man named Jose Bergeron, who was the neighbor, had run over, but he was an older man at the mm-hmm. time. Now he's in his 80s. At the time, he was in his 50s. Mm-hmm. And he ran over to defend to, de- to defend her. And Richard Ramirez had said, don't get any closer or I'll shoot you. But the guy says, I didn't see a gun. Yeah. So I went. So he basically opened the car door and then the husband came out and hit him in the head. Mm-hmm. He starts running. Jose Bergeron, Ber- Bergeron, however you say it, Calls for his two sons. Oh, yeah. And says, run after him. Fuck yeah, dude. So these two boys start running. They ran for two miles. Yes. They chase him down. Yes. As they start running, everyone in the neighborhood <gasps> sees it and starts running too. Fuck. Can you fucking imagine? There's 200 people no. running up the street. How did I never know this? It was... I think I remember seeing this. Now, I could have seen a reenactment in, in a... Sure. Uh, in, in an, I'm sure I saw a reenactment, but I feel like I remember seeing the helicopter shot on the news of all the people in the street in Boyle Heights. Because basically, this whole fucking neighborhood was like, we got the fucking Night Stalker. Fuck yeah. they, these two boys, um, it was Jamie and I can't remember the other brother's name, um, Bergwan, B-U-R-G-O-I-N, mm-hmm. along with like four or five other dudes. They pin him to the ground. They have him on the curb and everyone just starts beating the shit out of him. They call, they had called the cops. um, I think Jose called the cops when they started running. So the cops got there mid beat down so that Richard Ramirez was going, it's me, it's me. And the cops saved him from this crowd of people. Holy shit. It's my favorite that's incredible in the world isn't that awesome he yeah. tried i think he tried to um at, at one point he ran through a backyard they have a picture of a guy who tried to hit him with he was pruning his his the tree in mm-hmm. his yard and the guy tried to like stab him with these pruning sheet these huge pruning shears but he missed oh. and so they had all these it's the best you can you can look at on the line there's pictures of all these people who are from Boyle Heights who got these awards they get awards from the city they get awards from the cops Fuck yeah uh it's awesome and it's totally just people like nope not in our fucking neighborhood Good. he thought he could go and just blend in yeah and just be like oh whatever yeah 
that's my favorite. So, uh, and when they brought him down to their local precinct, 500 people were outside chanting. Like, wh- they wanted to kill him. They wow. wanted him strung Just, up. Just, like, send him out. Yeah. I mean, this is a man who, like, totally. this story after story, it only got scarier. And he became, like, he was, like, this phantom where no one could figure out who he was, where he was, and he was everywhere. You know, he was just driving around changing city. Jesus. My it, parents did a really good job of keeping this shit from me because I don't fucking remember any of this. You don't? No. How old were you, though? What, In, was it 87? 85. I was five. Aw. And little baby Georgia. And you, Mission Viejo. That's like that's like 15 minutes, 10 minutes from Irvine where I grew up. Marty, good job. Good job, Marty. Well done. Janet. They were Janet. going through their divorce, so I was busy. Well, that's good. You probably <laughs> were getting a lot of extra toys. Yeah, probably. At the time. Yeah. Um... I was just going to see this really quick. Oh, um, (laughs) one of the cops said, it seemed like alert citizens were reporting the suspect every step of the way. So basically, as they ran up the street, every house was calling the cops. Can you imagine what it would have been like if they had, like now, if they had fucking cell phones? I bet you it would be half as many people chasing him and and the other half would be filming him. Filming it, yeah. We'd be able to post this and just be like, here's what happened. You guys put your phone away and participate. Um, so down. at the end of the, so the cops come in and there is a super if you want to look it up very scary picture of him in the in the cop car because his whole head is wrapped so instead of having like his rock star hair or whatever mm-hmm. he has he looks like a gray alien he is so scary looking in the back seat is he had some pretty serious head injuries they were beating the shit out of him good yeah um yeah uh he actually says I'm lucky the cops caught me because wow. these people were going to kill him. Yeah. I um, doubt it. At the end, the last victim that was confirmed of the Night Stalker was nine-year-old Mi Lung, Aww. whose body was found in a San Francisco hotel basement in 1984. She wasn't linked to him until 2009. Holy shit. When they found, they got DNA. Oh, and, honey. Um, yeah. Poor baby. Horrible. Yeah. So he had actually done that while he was in the city, yeah. but they didn't know. Yeah. I wonder how many other, like... Go ahead. Sorry. Um, well, he was arrested on August 31st, 1985, but he didn't, um, it, the jury selection didn't begin until July of 1988. Wow. Because they did so many delays and, and continuances and all that shit. His, he did everything he could mm-hmm. to make sure that they didn't start this thing on time. Okay. Um, they basically uh, finally convicted him of uh, 14 homicides and uh, all the other felonies um, and attacks on September 20th, 1989. It was four years after his arrest. Holy shit. And during the trial, there was a juror named Phyllis Singletary who didn't show up one day, and she had been shot in her home. <gasps> and then all the jurors were freaking out that he had had, he was having the jurors killed. She, it was a domestic um, yeah. violence thing, and her, uh, I think, boyfriend murdered her. Son of a bitch. Yeah, so that was just to just to add to the Dude, freak out. Totally. Factor. Oh, are you? What if you were on that jury? Oh, could you imagine? No. Scary enough because they said all the jurors said the stuff that they saw, the evidence that they saw, and the pictures they had to look at. None of them were sleeping. And it I was, bet the man himself—he's such a creep, having to sit like. Can you imagine? Just like from where you you and I are sitting right now, that that's the fucking night stalker. And he was doing things. I mean, there's tons of famous pictures. He was doing things like putting his hand up, and he had a pentagram on his right. hand, which in the eighties people oh, yeah. it was that was the whole satanic panic time yeah. where it was like this guy is satan people freaked out about that shit it oh, was very scary. scary um 
he also a, they found out about a plot that Ramirez had to somehow sneak a gun into the courtroom and kill the prosecutor. Oh. So then they put in. Uh, so it, sorry. Eventually, it, he was he was con- sentenced to death. For 13 murders, five attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. Um, And when they, uh, at the end of the trial, when he was convicted, he said, no big deal. Death always comes with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland. Um, And when they sentenced him, he said, uh, he grinned when they said, you know, it was like, I think it's something like 14 death sentences. Mm -hmm. He said, his official statement was you maggots make me sick hypocrites one and all we're all expendable for a cause and no one knows that better than those who kill for policy clandestinely or openly as do the governments of the world which kill in the name of god and country and for whatever else they deem appropriate you don't understand me you are not expected to you are not capable of it i am beyond your experience i am beyond good and evil It's pretty fucking poetic. Like for someone who's insane and has a head injury and isn't probably educated, that's fucking a pretty powerful. It's powerful, but it also uh, being somebody who is in the 12 step program, I would like to mention that addicts have a real sense of grandiosity about themselves. And so this is a person who is pretending that because he is a psychotic uncontrollable murderer that somehow makes him magical and special yeah when in fact it just makes him an animal yeah because that's really what he was i know and you're right and i think people probably it wasn't just him who was thinking of him as grandiose it was everyone because it was such a you know it was so terrifying and he was able single-handedly to put this put this whole city into a panic. The whole so state. He, he believed it. And I think probably everyone else did too. I mean, and he looked the part. Yeah. Everything, it was, it was kind of, it was on the level of Ted Bundy in the, in how he looked evil, but then he was also sexy. There was yeah. a rock star element. So then it kicked up all that stuff of like women being like, I'm in love with him. He actually married a woman while he was in right. um, jail who does not, uh, he is, is not a rock star. Doesn't look like a rock star type of gal herself. It's very fascinating. And she was also a virgin, oh, which shit. I kind of am fascinated. I feel by. like the fact that he was able to get, it's like the same thing with Ted Bundy where it's like, how can you be so prolific? How can you kill so many people in such a short time and get away with it? it it's almost like you, you are, you are on another level. He, he was on another, I think another level in that way of you can't track chaos. Yeah. And he really was, he wasn't, um, sticking into a neighborhood. He wasn't, there was no, they couldn't get a hold on him because he would just switch the city. Right. And he also switched the, his, the type there was, they couldn't follow any of it. Yeah. You know, it was just like, Oh, there's just another body and another body and another. And the same way Ted Bundy, because of his charm, they couldn't figure him out. Maybe those were those two things that he was switching cities and that this guy was charming are what were able to make those people get away with so much. Right. Well, and also I think the people's sense of, Oh, who would and wouldn't do things was very different back then. It was very uneducated. Yeah. Um, but in, I'm still reading that Ted Bundy book right mm-hmm. now. Fucking Anne Rule got, heard the news that the man was named Ted hmm. at the, um, at the, those lake murders where the two women disappeared in one day, mm-hmm. um, that it was a man named Ted and that he had a gold color of a gold 
metallic bug, Volkswagen bug. And she knew that his name was Ted and he had a gold metallic bug. And she t- told people, but she still didn't think it she was him. She still didn't think it was him. No. No. She was like, there's no way it could be him. But but she did tell a cop that she knew because she worked with them. And she was like, just so you know, I'll give you this name, but it can't it can't. Did they be. follow up on him? Um, Like a little bit. But he had then moved to Colorado. I think by the time those two were being like really looked into. Okay. So anyway, that's, that's the Night Stalker. Fucking... I'm sure there's so much more online about him because, you know, like... Yeah, but there's always going to be more. It's yeah. amazing. When it's when it's a classic like him. Well, happy birthday to his death. Happy happy death day, Rich. Happy death day, you piece of shit. You total lunatic. Um, Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com Goodbye Alright, so my favorite murder Alright, this is one that people keep wanting us to do and I didn't know about it until we started doing this show which I love finding new ones out That is a good feeling Alright, this is the Bain Family Murders I don't know, you know it. this one. I don't think All so. All right, you guys in New Zealand. I feel I hear everyone from New Zealand cheering right now because they're like, <laughs> finally, I we have severely underserved Australia, New Zealand, um, that whole area. Can I tell you, I was I met some girls who were from Australia, and I was like, well, Australia is better, and they're like, why? And I'm like, you have better serial killers, and they thought I think they looked at me like I was fucking like I don't think that they were on the same <laughs> level as me. They're not. They're not one of us. No, because they're like, oh, uh, and they like kind of looked at each other and like, yeah, we got good serial killers. It's like, oh, uh, anyways. Anyways, anyways nice to meet I love you. my cats. Okay, so on the morning of June 20th, 1994, I might that might have been my bat mitzvah day, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> the day I was bat mitzvah. What was your main bat mitzvah, mitzvah gift? Oh, uh, well, the one I remember the most that I love the most was a Ren and Stimpy poster. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's so Jewish. I know, I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fucking love Ren and Stimpy. (laughs) They're pretty great. Okay, so David Bain, who was 22 at at 7 a.m. about, he called 111, which I'm assuming is 911 in here. I was going to say 999. (laughs) Right. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, it's 999. I get it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Uh-huh. I think I'm slowly losing my mind. I think you are too. It'll be fun though, because I'll do it on this podcast. Because last week you asked, why didn't I ask this victim, this murder victim if she had had sex with her boyfriend? Yeah, and I was pissed about it too. It's like, this is really bad police work that you wouldn't ask a dead person why. <laughs> Anyhow. I love that because it's like, that's such an obvious brain malfunction i think i had very low blood sugar all right go ahead fair enough um so at 7 a.m he calls the operator and he says they're they're all dead they're all dead (gasps) when the police arrived they found five members of the bain family they had all been shot to death the father robin who was 58 the wife margaret who was 50 the daughters arawa who was 19 and lynette who was 18 i might be saying these two girls names wrong i'm sorry lynette sounds right well it's l-a-n-i-e-t Oh, Jesus. Lene and Arawa is A-R-A-W-A. A-R-A-W-A. Arawa. Sorry. Do you mean Arya Stark? <laughs> from, from Game of Thrones? No. All right. Um, and their son, Stephen, who is 14. There was, and there was evidence of a violent struggle involving Stephen, who was partially strangled as well as shot. So David's story is that he got up at his usual time, he put on his running shoes, and he was a paper boy at 20. So he went on his regular paper run with the dog. He, was, he arrived back around 6.42, entered the front door, went to his room. Um, he went downstairs to the bathroom where he washed his hands, which were black from newsprint. He put his clothes in the washing machine, um, including the sweatshirt he wore, and then went back upstairs and noticed bullets and the trigger lock on the floor. And he went into his mom's room to find her dead, then visited the other rooms where he heard Lynette gurgling and then found his father dead in the lounge. And he was devastated and and rang emergency. Um, And the defense who ended up trying this case proposed that Robin, the father killed the other family members before he switched on the computer and typed a message that said um, basically that David was the only one who deserved to be here um, and then killed himself. But and that's what looked like a murder suicide. Right. Oh, looks like. Yeah. looks like a murder suicide. <clears throat> so David Bain was examined by a doctor um, on the morning and found to have some recent injuries he reported that he noticed recent bruising to the right temple um, and bruising about his eye, and it looked pretty new. And he and David had no way to explain this. He didn't even try to explain this like he fell off his bike or anything. Um, so the only suspects were David, the oldest son, and the, and the father. Okay, so they found a lens from the glasses that David had been wearing on the floor of Stephen's room, like kind of underneath him. And... Um, there was bloody gloves in, St- in Stephen's found in Stephen's room, and he. Um, and f- why is the father using gloves if he's going to kill himself? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So four days later, David Bain was charged with five counts of murder. So, his what actually happened later that and this is from crime.co.nz. The story is that David wakes up around 5 a.m., gets dressed, and pulls out a 22 rifle. Um, he unlocks the trigger, attaches a silencer, and loads 10-round magazine. Shit. Puts on his white gloves, blah, blah, blah. He was wearing his mother's glasses because his are being repaired. He goes into his sister's room. where That he- is, I'm sorry, that's so scary. That, like, just gave me a weird chill. Which part? That his mother's, he was wearing his mother's glasses? It's, he's... A 20-year-old guy wearing white gloves with a, si- a rifle with a silencer and women's glasses. Yeah. 
that's there's something very creepy about that totally well <laughs> like because also sorry what year was it it was uh 94 so they're probably those ones where the like they're the, large the big, <laughs> very big large. round they're serial killer glasses yeah yeah um Mm-mm. that's crazy he goes into his sister lynette's room where he shoots her twice in the head as she's sleeping goes into his mother's room shoots her in the forehead in the room of um off his mother's room he finds steven asleep he puts the rifle to steven's head but steven wakes up and pushes it away as it goes off <gasps> there's a struggle with steven bleeding from the scalp wound as he fights for his life David twists Stephen's t-shirt to strangle him as he lies on the floor. David finishes him off with a bullet to the head. And then during the struggle, his glasses fell off. Um, He picks up his glasses and brings them back into his room and puts them on his, like, desk. But there's still a lens in the other room, right? So he goes downstairs where his sister, um, Arawa, has heard the shots and she's praying for help. Honey, no. Why didn't you run? Phone for help. Yeah. Don't pray for help. He shoots her. um, He shoots at her and he can't see anything because he's not wearing his glasses. Shoots at her again, finally gets her. Then he goes back upstairs where he hears Lynette gurgling and he shoots her again in the top of the head. And this is a really good because I'm just going to get to this. He gets convicted of murdering his family. A few years later, the conviction is overturned. He's now out. What? He was proven, he wasn't proven guilty. He's not proven innocent. He was proven not guilty because of reasonable doubt. Why? And the reason you know that people don't think he's innocent is that he, he tried to get money for his time that he was locked up. And the only way you can get money is if you're proven innocent. And he wasn't. So he shoots her and kills her. He hears the, the other sister gurgling. But remember on his, in his uh, account of what happened, he said... That he heard his sister gurgling when he got home from the news from the newspaper delivery. Right. So if he heard her and she was already alive, still alive, gurgling, then how did she die? Because she got a second shot and that killed her. The first shot didn't. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. He's still there when the second well, shot. Well, she's happened. dying, and the second shot happened. Ooh. Um, he didn't track that correctly. No, he did not. He should have put that down on a piece of paper. He, he did. should have worked it out on scratch paper. Totally. And then and then burn the scratch paper. <laughs> so and then rinse the ashes down the sink. All of it. He did not think this through. So he throws his bloody clothing in the washing machine, turns it on. Just burn it. Yeah. What? And they found the father's blood on the washing machine, like a handprint of this kid's blood. Um, he turns on the computer and he types the suicide message. From his father. And what the suicide message was, sorry, you're the only one who deserved to stay. Wow. Um, then he hides behind the curtain with the rifle and waits for his father to come in to pray, which is a daily routine. He kneel, um, David shoots him in the head and then calls 911. Yeah. Okay, here's the fucking craziest part to me. Two weeks after the murder, after the police have completed their inquiries and handed over and handed the house back over to the family trustees... The house was burnt to the ground Whoa. on purpose what? by the Bain family and the New Zealand Fire Service. And part of the reason that he got off and, and wasn't put in jail the second time was because of the fucking cops. And it's like a known thing. I'm not just blaming cops. Bungled this so fucking hard. They didn't test the dad's hand for any gun residue, gunpowder, um, just shit like that that they just didn't do correctly. They didn't. So what is New Zealand, right? Yeah. So they did, probably hadn't had like a all a whole family murdered before i think it was a rural area where they lived too yeah. Yeah. yeah so what they say is that the reason that they that there was a doubt 
and thoughts that the father had done it and had done a murder-suicide was that the daughter, Lynette, had returned home. The reason she came home from college that week was to confront her parents with her f- that her father had been molesting her and that they had had an, incent, an incest, incestual relationship over several years. So he killed his family because of that. That's what, that's what the offering was, right? But sorry, who was making that? Who was saying that? Well, there the are people including both of their friends because they were close in age that's that said that they heard that but when they were called to trial something that says something about how they seemed confused about it so it was never like proven but that also could have been like the defense attorney right making it seem like they didn't know what they were talking right. about. it seemed like it came from a couple places but i don't think it was ever proven but which is another thing that the and everyone so i i went i went on our my favorite murder email and kind of just looked up bane to see if anyone had emailed us about them and actually a lot of people have um someone named alexander he told me here i'm, I'm gonna read his his email Um, the thing is here in New Zealand people on both sides of the camp are so passionate and sure about who they think killed everyone Robin or David I've listened to intelligent people argue through their teeth for the completely different sides and during David's recital I remember um, getting our history teacher in high school to spend the whole lesson explaining why David was innocent (laughs) I've heard more heated arguments about David Bain than I have about religion or politics wow yeah because people knew him so, like, these are people that knew either the dad or the son? No. These are people... I think everyone in New Zealand has an opinion. Okay. okay based okay. on these random facts. Um, all of this, as well as a clear amount of sexual and physical abuse happening within the Bain family, which I looked up and I couldn't find a ton of... I didn't find a lot of that clear evidence. Right. Combined with rumors of cops planting evidence on the scene to frame David, or the fact that if Robin had killed himself, he'd have come to have pulled the shotgun trigger with his toe, because the gun was really big. Uh, made for a pretty fucking intense story. David Bain became kind of a meme in New Zealand, because on TV, and all the shots of him getting escorted by the cops, etc., he's always wearing really ugly sweaters. Uh. And this I saw a lot. People are calling them Cosby sweaters and shit. So basically, there's a part in the middle of the call. Okay, this is really interesting. So basically, in the 911 call, um, he says they're dead. They're all dead. And um, basically, there's a part in the middle of the call where David more or less gasps or mumbles or murmurs. It's a second long, and you wouldn't think it was anything more than just him being out of breath. But the prosecutor argued that David actually whispers something here. You can actually do tests online where you can listen to the gasp, gasp, whisper, and write what you think might be saying if he's saying anything at all. What the prosecutors are claiming he said was that David quietly whispers to himself, I shot the prick. So here's a theory that I had never heard before until I read this email that Robin killed his entire family. David came home and found that and killed Robin because of that. Ooh. Yeah. So so kind of everybody's guilty. Yeah. So this guy says, um, did David discover Robin had killed everyone in a fit of revenge? He shot his prick of a father himself. No, because that doesn't prove that doesn't explain why the gla- sunglass lens or the glasses lens is underneath. Yeah, the thing. Yeah, he said that he lost. He left the glasses in there, like the pri- the week prior, something like that. He had an excuse for that. They were under the bed or under the brother. I think they were. I looked at crime scene photos and they were like a mist. They were like underneath some clothing and stuff. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily his his body. Um. Yeah. And then let's see. I will say this. Just if this was just like I had to decide right this second. Okay. When you go, when you are a 
First of all, 20-year-old newspaper delivery boy, red flag. Totally. Live at home still. What the fuck are you doing? Secondly, when you come home from a newspaper route, and maybe he was riding a bike all over hills and dales, I don't know, but you would work it out, like, I get washing your hands, because you have black shit all over your hands, but going down to the washing machine and stripping down and washing all your clothes. And turning the washing machine on immediately doesn't make any sense. Nope, it sure doesn't. Also, I read another thing that was saying that he, in his explanation of what happened to the cops, he said he saw his mother and his sis, like two people. But on the 911 call, he says they're dead. They're all dead. Oh, so so he was trying to make it seem like no, how did he know they were all dead if in his, it's another one of his, he fucked up by saying that they're all dead when, and he had only seen two of the bodies. Oh. So how did he know they were all dead? Oh. Yeah. And then I kind of interpreted the dad's, um, if the dad had done it, I kind of interpreted his, his, um, you know, his, his uh, computer message saying, um, you're the only one who deserves to still be here. As like maybe maybe he's killing them thinking that he's doing them a favor and he thinks his son is a piece of shit and he's like you're the only one who still deserves to be on this shitty planet. Oh, like he means it in the negative. Yeah, not like you're the only good enough person to not get killed. Maybe <laughs> you're the only one who's not good. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. That's but but doesn't it seem very like classic narcissist where you would write a fake letter talking about how great you were? That's, yeah, to me it's too much. Yes, that the dad would be like, I'm going to murder everybody. We've all been in this house together doing God knows what terrible shit. Yeah. I pick you as my favorite. Everybody else is going down. To me it's too much. It's too stupid that the son would write that. Like it should, he should have written some, I think he would have known to write something more. Yeah, but he was a 20-year-old paper boy. Yeah, but it sounds like he planned this whole murder out because he also did a thing where he made sure his whole family, he like called a family meeting the night before. Just <laughs> kind of, it seems like what people are explaining that as is that he um, was trying to make sure everyone was in the house that night and the next day. Wow. Yeah. I don't think there's any way he didn't do it. Ooh. Yeah, also because... Sorry, did you say any of the accusations about incest or molestation were proven? No, they they couldn't be proven, but it's brought up a lot. There's a couple people who can corrobor- corroborate it, but they never did in a trial. Yeah. So who knows how reliable those are. But also, that's like, it's the perfect thing. It's the perfect like ingredient to add into this for confusion totally but i don't think he said it so it doesn't make any you know it's not like he's oh, the that one. wasn't his story it wasn't his story whoa he was also never like my dad is an asshole i can't believe he killed my whole family which you think he would be saying yeah or i can't believe my dad did this i would never think my dad would was capable of this or anything along those lines he never did or that. to use that to justify why he why he killed his dad his right. dad killed the family but he killed the dad right no there's yeah because you think that I, yeah, you but think you, he would be painting himself as a hero? Exactly. Yeah. 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 It sounds yeah. So I, I there's like a I can't believe there's a huge argument about whether or not this kid did it. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know how they'll find out how if he kills somebody else <laughs> now that he's free. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he won't. Maybe he was twenty and fucking 
just trying to, it was like it was like he was going through a reggae phase except for murder <laughs> maybe he was really into just, hacky sack for a short period of time and then he <laughs> he grew some white dreads went nuts except for murder no i'm he ready to be like, an accountant he seems like a celebrity like a celebrity too like a local celebrity well because i mean what's better to talk about than yeah. something that has everything murder incest he's real ugly you can't gloves cosby, ladies glasses cosby sweaters Cosby sweaters. I mean, and I can attest to this. I saw some photos. I'm. This is to me staircase level. Yeah, fascinating. This, this is very staircasey. Oh, speaking of, I went to a party over the weekend. Remember Ari, Aaron Dewey Lennox, who yes. had her. We talked about how she had her prom photo on the stair on the staircase. Yes, because she was friends with that family. Yes, she sent me straight over the weekend. <gasps> she said in that episode, you said that I believed the eagle. The owl theory and she's like and i fucking don't oh i was like i'm so sorry i love it yeah <laughs> so she I doesn't thought, i thought she was gonna be like and i have the blow poke <laughs> here sorry, it is sorry. no no <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah. okay that makes me feel better because the owl theory is absolute fucking insanity mm-hmm. and is not yeah. real and she's friends with a sister who is like alienated herself from the rest of the family who oh. believes he didn't do it i hope i'm not i hope she's okay with me well, we d- you just said every single name she has. I know. She's a very funny comedian and everyone should go to her shows. So and also she probably would have told you if she was mad about the owl theory, she would have told you she was mad about the name thing. Maybe I'll text her after this and be like, we cool? <laughs> <laughs> Let's call this episode. It's going to be edited so much that it's going to be 11 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's now an, if, if you're not listening to an episode that's at least an hour and 20 minutes, you're listening to the wrong. You're listening to a very edited. You're listening to, uh, yeah, a reject episode. Yeah. Um, oh, I also met a girl who... Okay, I'm just going to make this short. Yeah. Her photos, stalking photos, were found at the BTK crime scene. What? What? Yeah. What? What? Her what? name is Taryn Southern. She's a fucking YouTube star. She's a sweet angel, awesome person. And she was like, casually. We were like chatting and I, you know, the murder podcast got mentioned and she's like, oh, I have a weird, I have a story. It's not that big of a deal. And she's like, he was, she went to the church where he was a security guard. And, and he had pictures of her? Yeah. She was like 16 and they had to call her at college and they were like, are you still alive? Oh, I know. Oh my God. And I was like, how is this? You just, you just won my life. You might as well have just said to me, like, I, I met fucking Julia Roberts. Yeah. That's, and uh, did she lose her shit? I don't know if she lost her shit. She's like, I never spoke to him. He, he wasn't like a creep. He, he chaperoned the prom. Oh no! So there were photos of her, like from prom. Oh, but so she was like his, one of his favorites. I guess not favorite enough. Thank God. Yeah, for real. Yeah, that's crazy. No, wait. When they told her she was in college, so she was like sixteen when the pictures were taken, but then like eighteen or yeah. older. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. Wait, has he been put to death yet, or is he on death row? I don't think he's been put to death. Has he? I don't think so. It'll we'll edit it out if he has. <laughs> So if you're listening to this, guys, this is not dead. One of the more professional podcasts that you are going to hear on uh, in iTunes. You're welcome. I mean, look, we're, we we want to be professional for you. Yeah. It's what we're all about. We Yeah. This is who we are. It's what we do. I'm proud um, that this episode, I didn't say the word like 900 times. Oh, you know what I, you know what I want to stop doing that what? I noticed halfway through and you'll notice that my voice isn't doing it. I have vocal fry a lot. 
Yes. Where like I talk like this, where I like, you know, I'll be telling a story. And I'll oh, I was like doing that. that the whole time last episode. Why do I do that? Well, we lay down a lot. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we are. F- Georgia is often just flat on her back. I for really the am. entire episode. If I didn't have to sit up to look at my computer, usually I print my notes so I can like hold them over my face. Yeah. I wouldn't get up. This There's time. I've read a couple of the negative uh a couple of the negative of course I have to read this but Don't tell me. um well no it's just things like that of like it's two valley girls making jokes about murders or whatever where I'm like I get that I I hear that we are on the first pass from California and we make fun of murder but that's not all it is and we have kind of valley girl speech impediments we totally we're, we've lived in our life for a very long time but we're also not afraid to lecture you on uh, how bad we think rape is right we might really have to edit the top of that off. All together? <laughs> Should we just start over right now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. This is I'm George and this is Karen. Hey, Karen, how was your week? Oh my God, what a great week. <laughs> Fun. Positive. Uh, super positive. Yeah. Um, I, everything is... I like everything. It's a good thing everything has been solved. It's Things are great and nothing's bad. Yay. Boo. <laughs> Um, let's end this two ways. Yes. Because people have been asking for this one. Yeah, we and missed then, that. Okay. So we're going to end it by saying, guys, stay sexy. Don't get murdered. Also, Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else? Thanks for listening, you guys. What? And? Elvis? Cookie? And can we get the final statement? Thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Bye. Bye.